Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. I am so excited about this brand new teaching series. I don't know if you heard, we're starting a new series this week called Attacking Anxiety. Anybody excited? And this series, Rodrigo and Jesse and crew, they got, they, they, they delved, delved, dove, delved, delved. They got into their inner swagtasticness. And they created a line of swag that you're gonna wanna check out in the lobbies online. I'm just saying, this is one of them. Tyler was wearing one of them. It's crazy. Here's the deal. If you feel like, I think I'm broken, you're in the right spot. If you feel like, I might be, I might be too far gone for church, for God, for the whole thing, you're in the right spot. No matter what has happened, no matter where you're at with your faith, no matter what anyone's ever said or done to you, no matter how bad anxiety, depression, hopelessness, potentially even suicidal thoughts have been, I want you to know today you're in the right place. This is where we're going in this series. And I'm, I sat right down there during worship and went, I'm not gonna cry today, I can feel it. <laughs> yeah, right. Romans 15, 13, this is where we're going. This is my prayer for every single one of you, and I'm believing in faith this is gonna be a reality. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. We could stop right there. Think about how that right there might change your life or the life of a loved one who's dealing with anxiety and depression right now. Can you imagine if the God of hope, the God who created the universe, through the power of his Holy Spirit, actually began to fill you with joy instead of depression and peace instead of anxiety. Talk about life change. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where we're headed, and that's what I'm believing for every single one of you watching this right now. See, my problem was, I didn't think that was possible for me. You ever had somebody share a Bible verse with you and you went, uh-huh? Not because not you're trying to be cynical, not because you don't believe in God, but because it just doesn't feel like it's ever gonna happen for me. And so just in an honest moment, you go, mm-hmm. I've dealt with anxiety and depression for over 20 years and I gave up, I gave up hope, which it's interesting that that's what, he says, I'm the God of hope because he knows that when we have anxiety and depression, hopelessness is one of the first things that sets in. So he said, I'm here to take care of that right now. I believe these lies, and these lies were, I'm so broken. I can't even tell people how broken I am. I think I'm losing my mind. I don't think anybody else struggles quite like I do. I don't think anybody else will understand I better keep this a secret. And here's the biggest lie. It's just never gonna change, and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just kind of stuck. I believe those lies. Let's read this verse one more time. Can you let the God of the universe talk to you if you've ever thought that about yourself or a loved one? The God of hope is about to fill you and your loved ones with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not our power, because if we could already take care of this, we would have. The good news is, he says, it's my, he says, I got you. He says, I know, it's hard. And you or your loved ones have been dealing with this stuff for a long time. And you, you're starting to lose hope. And so he says, let's start out by letting me remind you I'm the God of hope. And I'm here with you. And I know what you're going through. And I got you. 
And I'm telling you, church, today, I want to talk to your heart, heart, and mind. (laughs) Today, I want to talk to your heart and your mind. Next week is called, it's time to fight. But today, I want to talk about what's going on in here and in here, because I want to start with hope. So the title of today's message is, it's time for freedom. It's time for freedom. And for me, freedom always starts with, I need some hope. I need to get past this mentality that it's never gonna change, that it's never gonna get better, that I'm stuck like this for life, that my loved one is stuck like this for life. No, I need to start standing on the word of God that I, the word of God says I have a God of hope who will bring me peace, who will bring me joy through his Holy Spirit, not my power. Publishers didn't even want me to title the book Attacking Anxiety because they said, man, that's too aggressive. And I get it. I understood where they were coming from. It's too aggressive. If you're dealing with anxiety, if you're feeling depressed, if you're hopelessness, you're going to see that title, and it's going to be overwhelming. And I just want to say right off the bat, this is not a series about us pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and saying, I've got something within me that's going to take care of this. That's the opposite of what we're going to do. We're going to fight to spend time with God and let God take care of the things we could never take care of on our own. That's where the peace is. That's where the joy is. And that's where the hope comes from. But it is time for freedom. I want you to start to get that in your spirit. Things are going to change in my family. Things are going to change in my house. Things are going to change in my heart, in my mind. God of hope is going to do something in my life. It's time for freedom. Amen? It's time for freedom. Galatians 5.1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not, allow, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The verse, and it's up on a bunch of our graphics throughout this series, it's talking about two different, two different aspects of freedom. It says, it's for freedom that you've been set free. Now stand firm then and don't allow yourself to be burdened. You've been set free. That's eternally set free. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And in case you don't know, that's, that's what this church is about. We want to help everybody find out that good news. Jesus died on a cross to pay the price for your sins. And if you put your faith in him today, he will forgive you of your sins, purify you from all unrighteousness. His spirit will live inside of you. You get heaven forever. He set us eternally free by what he did on the cross. So Paul says to his friends at this church in Galatia, he says, you've been set free, but I also want to make sure you know how to live free. It's for freedom, guys, that you've been set free. But I'm going to need you to stand. I'm going to need you to stand firm there in the middle so that you don't just have eternal life in your future, but you also can live free in the here and now. My brother made a lot of mistakes when he was a kid, haven't we all? And he ended up getting himself in a lot of trouble, and he ended up spending a couple years in prison. And when he got out, my aunt threw a party at their place. Actually, she wasn't able to be there, but they used her place for the party, just to be completely (laughs) honest. So the party's at Aunt Jane's house. And I called my brother, because I lived out of state. I couldn't be at the party. But I know what was going on at the party, like it's Kansas. It's a suburb of Wichita, Kansas. You don't even know about that. It is mullets and NASCAR t-shirts and skull rings in homemade jean shorts, and they're playing horseshoes, and it's happening, okay? I called my brother. I said, bro, how was the party? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, didn't you go? Yeah, I was there. Well, how was it? He goes, I don't know. I sat on the back porch and smoked cigarettes the whole time. And I was like, why'd you do that? And he goes, man, I've I've been in prison for the last two years. I've been told what to do. I've been told what to say. I've been told when to talk. I've been told when to shut up. I've been told when to sleep. He goes, I don't know. I tried. I went out there, and I didn't know what to say, and I didn't know how to act, and I felt super awkward, and like, I don't know. I I don't know how to be around people. And so I just wanted to be by myself. So they partied, and I smoked cigarettes on the back porch. There's something about dealing with anxiety and depression that feels real similar. See, my brother had been set free. He just didn't yet know how to live free. 
You ever feel like, I know I've been set free. I've put my faith in Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven. I know I've been set free. I just can't quite figure out how to live free because I still have this anxiety and I still have this depression and I'm not sure what to do about it. And that's why I'm so excited about this series. And that's why if you or anyone you love is struggling with this stuff, you're in the right spot because we're not just gonna deal with depression and be attacked by anxiety. We're gonna stand on God's word and we're gonna attack back in Jesus' name. That's what we're gonna do for the next several weeks. Revelations 12, 11 said, if you wanna defeat the enemy, here's two ways to do it says they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I'm gonna really get into this next week. But we're not fighting against anxiety. We're fighting against the enemy. The enemy has taken a God-given emotion and twisted it into something that's become debilitating for many of us or many of the people we care about. We're not fighting against anxiety. I'll explain that in more detail next week. We're fighting against the enemy, and this verse says you wanna defeat the enemy first. It starts with everything that Jesus did for you on the cross. Step into that. And then he said, you really wanna help each other out? Be willing to share your testimonies with each other. Stop hiding the stuff you've been through. Start using it as a weapon to cut Satan's head off with. Start telling the people you trust and love. I mean, let me tell I've been through some stuff, but I don't just have a sad story. I also got a God story. And then I, so my plan today is I'm going to share some of my story with you, and God's going to use it to speak to your life. God's going to start doing things in your life. Then one of these days, you're going to turn around, and you're going to take your story and share it with somebody else, and he's going to use that to do something in their life, and they're going to take that story and turn around. See, that's how it's supposed to work. We're constantly encouraging each other's with, me too, me too, me too, but God. Oh, man, I've been there, but God. I know that feeling, but God. So I'm going to share some of the stuff I've been through uh, today over the last few years. If you've been a part of this church and you actually attend regularly and pay attention, which let's be honest, now the numbers are starting to dwindle, (laughs) then you'll have heard some of this, and that's okay. I want to make sure everybody that's joining us around the world, we're all starting from the same place because Red Rocks Church, I don't believe this is me sharing a story with the world. We've been through some stuff together, and I believe we as a church family are taking this story to the world and giving God glory in Jesus' name. 2019, I've been been having anxiety for a long time. Panic attacks every now and then. 2019, my panic attacks started going to a whole new level. I would find myself sitting in restaurants. Some of you know what I'm talking about. No reason at all. My insides start spinning. And I'm like, oh no, here it comes. I'm gonna feel stuck. I'm gonna feel trapped. I gotta get out. I don't know what to do. And everybody watching has no idea because all I said was, hey, can you pass the... I gotta get out of here. I would would start to feel super claustrophobic when I would have panic attacks. I gotta get out of this restaurant. I gotta get out of the house. I gotta get out of the car. I gotta get out of this situation, whatever it is. And, And they were getting worse and worse and more often and more often and I'm just getting more and more embarrassed and trying to hide them more and more. And I'm coming home from the dentist, believe it or not. I love my dentist, but I was always afraid of him and now I know why. Um... He's coming home from the dentist and I'm driving down C-470 and I start having a panic attack that I honestly thought I'm gonna die. That's how it felt. And if you've never had these, you're gonna be like, huh? If you've had them, you're gonna go like, I know that feeling. My, my, my mind starts racing. My chest muscles get real tight and I feel like I'm suffocating and I can't take deep breaths. And then my skin would start to tingle from head to toe. And it was almost like this tingle burning sensation. And I can't breathe. And my mind's spinning. And I think I'm going to suffocate. And my blood pressure's going crazy. And all I could think about was, I got to get out of this car. But I didn't know where to go. And I didn't really have the mind to process it. And so I called my wife. I'm crying. I'm shaking. I'm falling apart. I'm like, I think I'm going to die right now. And I called Jill. And I go, babe, please pray for me. I need help. And she knew what was going on. Babe, can you just get home? I said, I can't. I don't think I can make it home. And I hung up. In retrospect, (laughs) not the best way to handle that situation. I'm walking on this foothill. I parked right on the side of C-470. Cars just, and I'm just walking. 
shaking, crying. And I remember yelling at God, like, God, I can't live this way. God, I need a miracle. God, why won't you listen? God, why won't you help me? And I don't know how long I was there. And Jill and Scott Brugman and J.B. Powell show up. And the first thing I said was, I quit. They're walking up the hill and I go, I quit. I can't do it. I can't be a pastor. I can't take the pressure. I can't handle this. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I can't do this. And I looked at my, my wife and I said, I don't think I can live like this anymore. And then if you've ever had a panic attack or been really, really depressed, but you do life around people, you feel so ashamed of yourself that you're going through it. And so all I remember saying to them after that was, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm not better. I'm sorry I'm not stronger. I'm sorry I don't have it together. I'm sorry I think I'm losing my mind. I'm sorry. And some of you watching, you're gonna know exactly how that feels, that shame and that that guilt that we pile on ourselves, that the enemy piles on us, and, and we blame ourselves for how we feel. And they took me home, and we sat at my kitchen, and I'll never forget, JB looked at me, and he goes, he goes, hey, man, you're not gonna do anything stupid tonight, are you? And I went, no. I sat there for a minute, and I went, you better take my guns, because I don't think I can trust myself tonight. I know anxiety I know depression. I know hopeless thoughts. I know, I know suicidal thoughts. My wife was scared to death. She called one of my pastors. There's two people in this world I call my pastors, Pastor Chris Hodges and Pastor Craig Rochelle. And she called Pastor Chris. I think Pastor Craig was actually out of the country and talked to him right after that. But she called Pastor Chris and she, Pastor Chris said, get here. And so we flew to Alabama and, and I got kicked off a plane on the way to Alabama. I had another panic attack on the runway. You know, it's like about humiliating that the, the pilot was like, I'm not dealing with this dude. I'm just not. I came out and Jill's like, no, he'll be fine. And he goes, no, 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 we're done. And he pulled over to the gate and kicked us off. And we finally got to Alabama and, and I spent two weeks there. And then I went to a seven week inpatient anti-anxiety counseling center. And then when I got, and I'm talking six days a week, classes, therapy, counseling, homework every night, it was grueling. And then I come back and I take a few months off work and I just do counseling and therapy. And, and I'm at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not over a thousand, I bet, hours of counseling and therapy and classwork and pastoral care and time in the word. And it's taken me all of that to realize and this is why I'm so excited about this series. I don't have to live this way. God has given me some spiritual weapons to actually begin to attack back. And if I decide to actually use them, I don't have to just deal with depression. I don't have to just be attacked by anxiety. I can actually attack back and experience the very freedom that Jesus provided me with. And that's my prayer for every single one of us. I came back 2020, January of 2020 is when I came back to work. You guys will get a kick out of this. My counselor, January 2020, we all had the world by the tail, didn't we? And uh, he says, uh, hey, when you go back to work, listen, listen, ease in, no big changes, no stressful situations. I want you to ease back in slowly. Great. COVID was not on anybody's calendar, was it? So I come back January of 2020. I tell the church everything I just told you. And I'm leaving the church and this amazing family walks up to me and there's a mom and a dad and a son that I'm guessing is around 18 to 20-ish. And um, they all have three have tears in their eyes and are thank you for sharing your story, Sean. And one of the parents said, my, our son struggles with debilitating panic attacks and anxiety. What would you say to him? And like without thinking, without having a script, just feeling like I've been through the gauntlet and, and I see this differently than I did the day I pulled my truck over on the side of the road without thinking. I said, I'll tell you what, I'd say three things. You're not crazy, you're not alone, and this will end. You're not crazy, you're not alone, and this will end. Because when you're going through this stuff, you feel crazy. You feel like I must be losing it. I must be so broken that nobody else can, could possibly understand this. Nobody else can be dealing with what I'm dealing with. That's why we feel like I'm losing my mind, I think. Let me share some stats with you to help you out. You're not crazy. Listen to what the CDC says right now. You can go to their website today and read this. Mental illnesses are among the most common health conditions in the United States. We just let that start to free you up if this is your struggle. 
You're not crazy. You're not the only one who feels this way. More than 50% will be diagnosed with a mental illness or disorder at some point in their lifetime. Half of us. I can't remember the last time I talked to somebody and, and, and this subject matter came up and they went, anxiety, depression? Never had it. Don't know anybody who has. Have you? I mean, it's everywhere. But we feel like we're the only ones and so that's what makes us feel crazy. One in five Americans will experience a mental illness in a given year. One in five, heads up parents, one in five children, either currently or at some point during their life, have had a seriously debilitating mental illness. I didn't know any of these things. I just thought I was losing my mind. I just thought I must be so different from everyone else in the world. And I think Jesus, Jesus, he's like, you're my sons, you're my daughters, you're my kids. I know the struggles you're gonna have. I've been there with you. I, I want you to know ahead of time, I have peace for you even though you're broken and you live in a broken world. Here's how he said it. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble like mental health issues. And I'm so glad that Red Rocks Church, we're finally talking about this stuff. It's time. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're gonna have some trouble. But take heart. You don't feel like you're losing your mind. Take heart. I've overcome the world. I know that anxiety feeling. I know that depressive feeling. I know that brokenhearted feeling. We're gonna get into this in a minute. Jesus said, I've been there. I've been through some tough stuff myself, but let me tell you what, no matter what the, this world throws at you, no matter how bad your anxiety is, no matter how bad your depression feels, no matter how hopeless the situation may be, he says, I am the God of hope and I'm bringing you peace. I'm bringing you joy. I've overcome everything you're going through. I got you. You're not crazy. The reason I felt like I was crazy is because I felt like I was the only one. I was out to dinner recently with BZ, and we were talking about this stuff. And he said, when did it get really bad for you when you were working at Red Rocks? I said, year four. I said, year four, I started taking anti-anxiety medicine because I was starting to have panic attacks. I didn't tell anybody. I was so embarrassed. I was so humiliated. Felt like a hypocrite. You know what he said to me? He goes, bro. 13 years ago, I said, yeah. He goes, bro, why didn't you tell me? I was too. You know what I found, especially in the church? We feel like we're the only ones dealing with this stuff because we're all keeping the same secret. And it ramps up at church, I think. I do. And I think it's because there's somewhere along the way, we've got this idea that because Jesus said, I come to give you hope and peace and joy, if there are times or seasons or days or illnesses that cause me not to live with hope or peace or joy, then I must be a second-class Christian. I must just be less than. I must not have enough faith. I must not be spiritual enough. Maybe I'm not even really saved. For me as a pastor, I'm like, maybe I'm a hypocrite. Maybe I should just stop preaching. For a living, I talk about peace. I can't find it. And we come to church, and it's, it's, if we're not careful, it's the place that we get dressed up for and do the most pretending. This is not a country club, Red Rocks. This is a hospital. We don't go to a hospital covering up our injuries. We come to a hospital to meet with the great physician and go, let me show you how I'm broken, because I need help. That's what we do at this church. But we got to be careful. I thought I was the only one, because me and a bunch of friends were all keeping the same secret. God goes way out of his way to make sure that we know, all of us, you're not the only one. Because, you know, my list is like I'm a dad and I'm a leader and I'm a pastor and dear God, I ought to have my life put together more than this, right? But your list will be your list. It'll be I'm a, I'm a parent, I'm a, I'm a teammate, I'm a, I'm, I'm a leader of my team, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm the Christian kid in class, um, I'm a CEO, uh, I'm this old, I've been saved this long, I shouldn't be dealing with this stuff now. We create our own like shame list, reasons why we're gonna make ourselves feel worse about going through this stuff. And it's like, I'm the only one that's broken. That's what makes us feel crazy in here. God says, no, 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 I'm going way out of my way to make sure you understand you are not the only one that feels this way. The Apostle Paul. I mean, 
it's, it's, it's hard to not know who he is, even if you haven't had much church in your life, right? Listen to what he says. He's on a mission, starting churches, spreading the gospel as a pastor, as a church planter, and he's writing to some friends in Corinth who are a church. I love this. Thank you for doing this, Paul. I'm man hug when I get up there. <laughs> Second Corinthians 1.8, he said, hey, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. You know what he said there? Hey, I know this is a church service, but is it all right if we get real for a minute? Is it all right if we quit pretending for a minute? Is it all right if I take the cape off for a minute and just tell you I'm a person? We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despised of life itself. He said, I've been out doing ministry as a Christian, as a pastor, trying to, trying to start churches, and I have felt so anxious, so much pressure, that I didn't even want to live anymore. I know what it feels like to be under so much pressure that I didn't want to be alive. The Apostle Paul says, I know what angst feels like. I know what suicidal thoughts feel like. I know what it feels like to have that thought cross your mind that says, I don't want to live anymore. This is more than I can bear. He wrote over half the New Testament. He said, I know what anxiety and suicidal thoughts feels like. You're not alone. These are testimonies God's given us. Psalm, Psalm 42, 5, King David defeated Goliath, greatest king of Israel, man after God's own heart. Like, you may have never been to church and you probably heard of David beating Goliath. Psalm 42, 5, he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Talk about a good way to describe depression. Why so disturbed within me? Oh, that's how I feel when I'm anxious. Read that whole chapter, chapter 42. King David talks about, I can't stop crying day and night. I'm not eating right. I'm overwhelmed by these emotions. I have, I have feelings that cause me to feel downcast and it's, it's like paralyzing. That's the depression. I have feelings that are spinning like this and everything's just crazy inside of me. That's the anxiety. He says, can I just be real? I know I'm supposed to be this godly man, but I'm just dealing with some stuff. How about Jesus? This is Hebrews 4.15. I've always thought like, no, not really. I'm gonna read you this first. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. I've always read that and went like, not really. I mean, it says Jesus knows everything I deal with. He, he knows about that. And I've had moments where I've been not this, not my anxiety, not my depression, not my thoughts about wanting to take my own life because they get so bad. He doesn't know about that, does he? Does he? Matthew 26, 37 through 39. This is Jesus. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He's fully God, but he's also fully man. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I think he knows what that feels like. I think he knows what it feels like to be scared about something that's around the corner. Not, not, not to be disobedient. Because we, we know he ended up saying, God, please take this from me. This pressure is overwhelming me to the point of death. But if you want me to go through, I go through. Jesus knows. I feel, like, I feel like God putting this passage in here, he didn't have to do that. I mean, think about this. He knows that we're gonna use the word of God as the foundation for our beliefs in Jesus globally. He could have made Jesus just look like a hero, right? Why put that in there? Why put in there that he cried? Why put in there that he hurt? Why put in there that, his, that he felt sorrow and that he felt overwhelmed to the point of death? That makes him look weak. I think it's God going, no, it makes him understand what you go through. And so picture your heavenly father today going, don't you dare blame yourself for this anymore. Don't you dare let shame be a part of this story. Don't you dare feel like you're less than. You are not a second-class citizen. You are my son. You are my daughter. You just happen to be broken in a broken world. But it's not just you. And these are testimonies. Point number three, this is not how your story 
ends. You're not crazy. You're not alone. And this is gonna end. That's what I told that family. It's what I needed to hear on the side of the road. And I believe it's what we need to hear to start to build our hope as we get into this battle. This is not how your story ends. That's why God uses testimonies. He loves for us to turn around and go, man, I was broken, but look what he did. And then it encourages. I was broken and look what he did. And it encourages. That's what these stories are in the Bible, right? Paul struggled, but it wasn't the end of his story. I asked our resident theologian, Ryan Weckenman, I said, I want to I talk about how each of those three men absolutely were vulnerable with their struggles, but can we also see how it wasn't the end of their story? And so he gave us some bullet points to look at. Go ahead and put those up. Paul took the gospel further than any person before him, shared with Jesus with more people than anyone in human history, wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, started somewhere between 14 and 20 churches, often considered the second most important after Jesus in the history of Christianity. Paul really, really struggled. He said, I had anxiety and pressure so bad I didn't even want to live. But church, look, it wasn't the end of his story. David really struggled, but it wasn't the end of his story. Go ahead and put that up. We know the Goliath story. That's the fun one. Fought at least nine major battles and won all of them. Greatest king Israel ever had. Wrote 37 of the 150 Psalms. Was called a man after God's own heart. And promised the Messiah would come from his lineage. David had days where he said, I can't stop crying. I can't, I don't want to get out of bed. I'm not eating right. I'm not feeling right. I feel depressed. I feel anxious. Yes, he struggled. It wasn't the end of his story. Jesus struggled. It wasn't the end of his story. Died on the cross to pay the price for our sins shortly after struggling. And then on the third day, he got up out of the tomb and proved he was the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven, provided us with eternal salvation, sits now at the right hand of the Father, coming back one day to get all of us and take us home. Yes, he struggled. It wasn't the end of his story. Band, you can come up. I know that struggle. I know that struggle. I was in that seven-week anti-anxiety counseling place and uh, hit absolute rock bottom. And it was real, real humiliating um, because as a man, I kind of always want, I always kind of want to be a superhero for my wife. Just do. I just wanted to really think highly of me. And I, she's the last person that I want to fall apart in front of. And I was at a low and I couldn't help it. And there was one night where I literally laid on the floor Hours and hours and hours, I couldn't get up. Just crying, snots everywhere. It was hideous. And I remember telling Jill, I don't remember saying much. I remember two things. I remember saying it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. I would just repeat that. And then I remember one time saying, will you call, call Scott to pray? And she would call Scott Brugman and put him on speakerphone. And I'd just lay there and cry and pray over me. Love you, Scott. I got so suicidal, I couldn't get out of bed the next day. I'd never felt that. I always heard people say like, oh, I was so depressed, I couldn't get out of bed. I've never really, I couldn't. I literally, physically couldn't. Nothing left. I called the owner of the counseling facility and he came over to this little rental house and I said, um, in front of my wife, I said this. My boys already know this. We, I said, I've decided I'm gonna take my own life. I'm not emotional about it anymore. My family will be better off without me. That's where I got. That's the lie, isn't it? You hurt so bad. Of course I wanted to end my life because I just wanted to end the pain. And I never thought it would end. But then I started feeling like my family will just be better off without me. I'm such a burden. My friends will be better off. I'm such a burden. Our church will be better off. They don't need to carry my dead weight.
if you're watching or listening to this and you have had those thoughts, maybe someday you will store this away, but right now you've, you're dealing with something like that. Can I tell you the truth? The truth is those are lies from the pit of hell and nobody will be better off without you. In fact, the people that you love will hurt for the rest of their lives if you do something stupid. And I know you can't see it right now, but see, I know you're struggling right now, but it's not the end of your story. It's not the end of your story. Listen, listen, listen. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. This is a story of hope. Yes, you're hurting right now. It's not the end of your story. There's gonna be a day you can't see it, you can't feel it. There's gonna be a day when you're gonna turn around and you're gonna go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I even went there because look what God has done. I'm living it right now. I can't believe what God has done in and through my life. I'm not perfect, I still battle, I still struggle, but I've never felt more confident about saying the God of hope has visited me and I have more peace and I have more joy than I ever thought I would. I struggled, but it wasn't the end of my story. If you're struggling right now, don't you dare let this be the end of your story. Don't you dare give up. Put Romans uh, 15, 13 back up. We're gonna end like this. You know that feeling, and if you've been in church for a minute, you know the feeling. You read a promise, you read a scripture, you hear a song, you hear a message, and you go, yeah, I believe that. Like, I believe in God. I believe God's good. I believe his son's good. I believe he wants these things for me. Put me on a polygraph test. I don't actually believe it's going to happen. You ever feel like there's like an invisible wall between you and hope for your future? I've had those days where I'm like, I wanna believe things are gonna get better. You may want to believe things are gonna get better for a loved one, but it's almost like there's this invisible wall, like, like hope that God says he has for me. It's almost like I can see it, I just can't get to it. I can get a verse here, I can't get it here. I can't actually believe that I'm going to experience the God of hope that his Holy Spirit's gonna actually bring me peace and me joy. I see it, I just can't buy it for myself yet. I don't know why. Ever have that? It's like we got this wall. My prayer for you all week long is, if you're watching online, don't you dare turn this off after the message. You need to experience this next song. My prayer all week is that God would speak, that you would have a moment in your soul with God as we sing this next song. Because see, here's what I noticed about this verse. Romans 15, 13, go ahead and put it back up. May the God of hope fill you. It's not my, I don't have to figure out a way to break down that invisible wall. He said, I got you, I'll do it. Just call me in, just lean my way. Just give me your heart for a minute. Just give me your attention for a minute. Just give me your mind for a minute. Let me pour hope into your soul. I will break down that wall for you. I will fill you with all joy. I will fill you with all peace. Why? Because you're about to overflow with hope, not because you're strong enough, because my Holy Spirit is strong enough. Amen? Would you stand up with me at every location? We're going to pray for some walls to start coming down. Something's got to break. Amen? With everyone's eyes closed, let's pray. God, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you're good. I thank you that in every one of our lives, you're building a story right now. And the story's not over. And you promised you'd keep working. And you promised you'd fill us with hope. And that peace and joy are in our story. God, I first wanna pray for anyone who's watching or listening who's felt like giving up. I know that heart-sinking feeling of I think I just wanna quit. And I pray, God, that you would do something supernatural right now in their soul, that, that a newfound hope would begin to enter their heart and their mind right now as we sing and worship you together, that peace and joy don't quite feel like so distant dreams anymore, but it's like, no, I think I could actually believe that God could do that for me. I pray for that right now in the name of Jesus. I want to ask a question with all your, everyone's eyes closed, just so this can be your own moment. I've been doing a lot of talking about anxiety and depression, but the truth is, 
there's something in your heart that knows, I need to start a relationship with Jesus today so that I can ask him for his spirit to start doing a work in my life. This is my day. I can feel him drawing me to him. I want to put my faith in him. I want to, I'm not going to be perfect, but I want to try to follow Jesus. I, I want to make, I want to say yes to Jesus because I need his spirit to help me go through what I'm going through. And I want heaven forever. I want to take him up on this free gift of eternal life. If that's you and you know it, this is my moment. Today, I say yes to Jesus. Raise your hand. I'm just going to say a prayer for you. Today, I say yes to Jesus. I need his salvation. Amen. Amen. God, I thank you for the hands, literally, of people responding around the world right now. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. God, I pray for freedom. God, I pray for hope. God, I pray for peace. God, I pray for joy. I pray that every single person watching or listening would leave here with more hope in their heart, knowing God has a future for me. It is filled with hope and peace and freedom. It is time for freedom in my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's worship.
It's not ending. It's all. 